It's the Bradfield Weather Podcast, underwritten by McAllen Construction. McAllen Construction, from the first dig to the last nail. I am Dan Lavallo. He is meteorologist Brad Field. We are putting this podcast together on Friday, February the 3rd, and we are doing it on a day that is extremely cold. Brad, what is going on? Dan, it's cold and it's getting colder. And you know, as a matter of fact, the coldest air in the world will be located about 45,000 feet above the ground directly over northern New England tonight. So that core of the coldest air in the world will be descending upon us here in New England. Now, the trough is like pointed right directly at Boston. So I looked at some of the Boston data, Dan, and the low temperature for tonight, the low temperature overnight tonight, so Friday night into Saturday morning, now this is in Boston, is two below zero, and that was set in 1886. That was even before we were born, Dan. (laughs) Now, the prediction tonight for Boston is 10 below zero. The most recent time the temperature hit 10 below zero or colder at Boston's Logan Airport was January 15th, 1957. So this this is a a really uh, sort of a historic shot of cold air. But for us, the good news about the whole thing, Dan, is it's brief. I do think we're going to see sub-zero temperatures across Connecticut, and I think that there will be places in Connecticut that have sub-zero temperature readings from about 7 or 8 o'clock tonight through about 7 or 8 o'clock tomorrow morning. So that would be 12 consecutive hours of temperatures being sub-zero. And... uh, We've got warnings up, Dan, for the wind chill. A wind chill warning is up for all of interior Connecticut now through 10 o'clock Saturday morning, Saturday, February 4th. The wind chill is expected to be 25 to 35 degrees below zero, with northwest winds blowing 35 to 55 miles per hour. In some of the hilltops, they could gust over 50. Now, frostbite on exposed skin can occur in 10 minutes with these kind of temperatures and these kind of winds. So obviously, if there are places you need to be tonight, places you need to go, make sure you have a winter hat on, uh, cover up the ears, make sure you have uh, good gloves or mittens on, and of course, your heaviest winter coat. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy, but we really haven't needed that this winter so far, but we're definitely going to need it overnight tonight. Along the immediate Connecticut shoreline, we have a wind chill advisory in effect through 9 o'clock on Saturday morning. Wind chills are expected to be between 15 and 25 below zero. Winds out of the northwest gusting 35 to 50 miles per hour. And a frostbite can occur on exposed skin in 30 minutes in those conditions. So uh, certainly dangerous weather. But the good news, Dan, is it's brief. I do not ever 
mean to alarm anybody that listens to us here on the Bradfield Weather Podcast, but I want to say this just so you're prepared. Obviously, if the winds gust up to 50 miles per hour, there can be tree limbs coming down and there can be scattered power outages. So the combination of temperatures staying below zero for 12 hours and the potential of power outages is something I just want to call attention to. So everybody has some sort of a plan. Um, you know, perhaps if you have a fireplace, make sure you have uh, brought the wood in and so forth in case you have to build the fire tonight uh, to keep warm in the house or whatever if the power goes out. Or if you have a generator, make sure you have plenty of gasoline on hand uh, to power the generator in case in case uh, we do lose power overnight tonight. So again, not meant to scare anybody, but just to put it out there that, hey, this could happen and you need to have a plan in case it does so. You weren't eavesdropping on my conversation with Susan this morning. We had this very same conversation, and I said to her, the wood is all set, everything is in place. In the event we lose power, we have plenty of wood available for our fireplace. We had this conversation this morning, Brad. Well, Dan, it's, uh, you know, you are a very weather-savvy person. <laughs> I mean, I, no, obviously, I know that from talking to you over the years and you know, we go back to the uh, WDRC days where Brad Davis and you would interview me anytime a big storm was coming in or whatever, and we would go into the why of the weather. And that spawned the whole idea of the Bradfield Weather Podcast once I retired. And, uh, you know, I give you just as much credit as anybody for, for this. And, uh, and it, it, it's really interesting because as a guy who always had to be succinct, uh, doing the 6 o'clock news and the 11 o'clock news, you were lucky if the producer gave you two minutes and 45 seconds to do the weather. Now, it, it, to me, it's just such a luxury to be able to talk 30 minutes with you and discuss things and go in-depth and give the why behind the uh the weather. So uh, you are a weather-savvy person. It doesn't strike me as odd at all that you and Susan would have this conversation this morning. <laughs> I I had a conversation this morning to Mike, uh, with Mike, with Mike Mooney, my, my friend, Dan, and he lived uh, up on the same street as me when I uh, was up in West Granby for all those years up on the the mountaintop and we had a nice pond there where um you know all the kids and the adults me too <laughs> we would go skating and uh you know mike lived right across the street from the pond and he would go out there with his auger and um you know he would figure out the depth of of the ice and so forth and he said on the coldest winters there were many many years that the uh, ice got uh, as thick as a foot and even more and I said to uh, Mike this morning, it would be really interesting to know if we can go from virtually no ice yesterday, because when we get into the climate statistics about January, Dan, you're going to be amazed, but go from virtually no ice to perhaps being able to skate on Sunday morning. Uh, Sunday will be a much milder day with temperatures moving up into the 30s, but 
you know, you get that uh, 12-hour period tonight of uh, roughly mid-evening to mid-morning tomorrow of sub-zero cold. And then for the whole day tomorrow, the temperatures are only in the teens, and then they're in the teens again uh, for Saturday night. Um, the ice could thicken up pretty readily. So uh, it, it would be really interesting for, for me to see. And again, make sure you know what you're doing. I mean, uh, obviously, if it's a big pond and if it's a deep pond, you need to consult with authorities in the local area before you even think about going out on the ice. But if you know the pond and it's a shallow pond or whatever, I wouldn't be at all shocked if uh, the ice is good and and, uh, ready to go on, on Sunday morning. So what you're saying is even though many of these ponds have not frozen over this year, what you're saying is the temperatures combined with the wind chill factor could plunge so much that the ice would thicken enough to make, depending on the pond, safe ice skating. I think so. And Dan, I want to point out this. I'm not trying to correct you or anything, but windshield has nothing to do with it. It's okay. the to- it's totally about the air temperature. You know, I I I did this with the kids when I used to go around and speak at various schools at uh in Connecticut. If you have uh say you, you fill up your, your dog's dish with ice and uh, excuse me, <laughs> with ice, you fill up your dog's dish with water. And you put it out on the back porch or something so when the dog's outside, uh, he or she can get a drink of water or whatever. If you left that bowl of water out there on a night when it's 31 degrees and no wind at all, there'd be a thin film of ice on top of the water, you know, so it'd start icing up in the bowl. Now, if the temperature were 33 degrees, and let's say the wind was blowing 50 miles per hour and the wind chill was 15, 20 below zero, that water would not freeze. It is, it's totally dependent on what the air temperature is. And you can't change the laws of physics. If the air temperature is 33, um, it won't freeze. And the, the only things that are impacted by wind chill are living beings. It's the rate that heat is removed from your exposed skin. So the wind chill has no impact on on grass. It has no impact on trees or anything like that. It just has impact on living beings. So what, what, what you're saying then, obviously, we have to watch out because if we're going out with wind chills that make the temperature feel as if it's 30 degrees below zero, that's impacting our unexposed our, our, our exposed skin but also what you're saying is because the temperature itself is going to drop considerably below zero tonight that's why that water should freeze is that right exactly right dan yep exactly right so uh the you know your 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 face unless you're wearing a total scarf over your entire face or whatever is is a prime area where heat can be removed your body is producing and you know if you're feeling well 98.6 degree temperature is radiating off your skin but if if the wind is blowing so fiercely that heat is removed at a rapid rate so that's why the frostbite can occur with with the wind chill but my next question, because, you know, we like to talk about the why of weather, 
is why isn't this cold snap hanging around that long? It's very transient, Dan. Yeah, um, there, there's no blocking pattern in the atmosphere. We've talked about the atmosphere and the jet stream as waves in the atmosphere, waves, and, and we've called it rivers of air and so forth and things of that nature. But if you think about going down to a beach and a wave comes in and then uh, then the trough of the wave and then another wave comes in, so you get the ridge and the trough and the ridge and the trough. Well, we've got nothing blocking here in the atmosphere, and you've brought it up 99 times in the past three or four years about the heralded Greenland block, and we're, we are going to talk about a big snowstorm that we uh, – us of middle age remember um coming up in a in a little bit here but there was a very impressive greenland block there that slowed everything down but there's no such block right now so the pattern is very transient and as a matter of fact it's going zonal so there are going to be a lot of depressed listeners to the Bradfield Weather Podcast coming up when you hear about the forecast for next week. Okay, before we get to that and our On the Weather Map segment, I know you've put together some climate stats for the month of January, and they're very fascinating. What did you come up with? Fascinating and uh, quasi-alarming. I mean, uh, it just is, is if, if we had this in July and August, we would be suffering because the weather with respect to what's average and, and let me go over this with everybody again dan we have weather records maintained in the hartford and now up in the windsor locks um bradley international airport area in existence since 1905 so what's that that's 118 years of weather records so we have 118 years worth of data and what we're seeing is that if you average those 118 years of data, you come up with an average daily high temperature in Connecticut of around 34 or 35 in the month of January. Well, this month on a daily basis, the average high temperature was 43. So not 35, but 43. Now, in terms of the nighttime low temperature, should be averaging around 19 every single night. Well, this January, it averaged 30 at night. That's all, 30. And I said to myself, my gosh, we averaged nine and a half degrees above normal per day. I, you know, I went down to New York City and looked, had to go further south, went down to Philadelphia and looked had to go further south. I went all the way down to Baltimore and Washington. This, what we just had in January, is a typical temperature pattern for Washington and Baltimore in a month of January. So uh, what I mean by we would be suffering, just give, take this as an example. In July, the average high temperature every day is 85 can you imagine if every single day it was 94 or 95 <laughs> degrees? I, I mean, it would just be awful. Yep. 
not to even mention what our air conditioning bills would be. I mean, in this, in this case, we are likely saving on, uh, you know, what our expenditure of oil would be, how much uh, propane we're using, the amount of electricity we're using. So uh, I, I, I guess in a way, uh, in spite of Eversource's price increases, I, I guess... I guess in a way we're saving money this month uh, relative to what we would be spending had it been a normal January. We'll return to the Bradfield Weather Podcast in just a moment. I want to talk a bit about McAllen Construction, a full-service construction company and underwriter for the Bradfield Weather Podcast. McAllen Construction, centrally located in Prospect, Connecticut, servicing the entire state for over a quarter of a century. McAllen Construction is a woman-owned, small-minority business, on call, 24-7, 365 days a year. Licensed with the state of Connecticut and insured. Licensed as a major contractor, new home construction contractor, plumbing and piping limited P7, home improvement contractor, and sub-surface sewage installer. Utility, carpentry, excavation, and snow removal for residents commercial businesses, and state and local governments. And Brad is not giving up on forecasting snow this winter, so keep McAllen Construction in mind if and when the snow flies. McAllen Construction, call them today at 203-758-3474. 203-758-3474. Or go online, McAllenConstructionCT.com. McAllen Construction, ct.com. McAllen Construction, from the first dig to the last nail. And again, Brad and I are honored that McAllen Construction is underwriter for the Bradfield Weather Podcast. Brad, uh, I know we're going to get to our On the Weather Map segment in just a moment, but uh, we're, we're approaching a big anniversary and that is what you want to talk about. And, and it's the 45th anniversary coming up on Monday. The 45th anniversary, Dan, of the blizzard of 1978. Now, you know, people, yeah, I, I'm a firm believer in that you make your own luck. And um, in my senior year in college, it was Lowell Technological Institute. It's now been absorbed by UMass and is called UMass Lowell. But that's where I went to uh, obtain my degree in atmospheric sciences and meteorology. And in the uh, winter of 1977 and 1978, it was my senior year in college, I was an intern at a place called Weather Services Corporation in Bedford, Massachusetts. So my memory in what actually launched my career was the fortune, or some would call it misfortune. At the time, I called it misfortune, Dan, but it turned out to be great fortune because what, what happened was I was interning and I went in that night. It was a Monday night and uh, effectively got snowed in. I mean, there was about a foot of snow as I was driving down there to uh, Weather Services Corporation in Bedford. And by the time I got there, uh, it was snowing and snowing like crazy all night long. Michael Dukakis was the governor of Massachusetts at the time, and he declared martial law 
that you could not go out on the roadways. Now, as bad as the weather was in Connecticut during the blizzard of 78, it was much, much worse off to the east. Um, Attleboro, um, Massachusetts, and Woonsocket, Rhode Island were the epicenter of snow, Dan. And on the level, they had 48 inches of snow. So that's four feet of snow from the blizzard of 78. But that's nothing because this was essentially a snow hurricane. Winds gusted up to hurricane force, 75 miles per hour. The Massachusetts coastline facing to the east was destroyed, absolutely destroyed by this snow hurricane. And homes were destroyed along there. Uh, on 128, the big uh, loop around Boston, cars were getting abandoned because it was snowing at such a great rate. Cars were getting abandoned. Then they got snowed under. You could not even tell when the storm concluded that there were cars there. So the DPW had to go. So obviously, if some cars stop in front, all cars stop behind. No one can get through. Everybody snowed in. And the DPWs, after the storm ended, had to individually shovel the cars out by hand because plows could not come through because the cars were there. So that was back to my story. I was stranded at Weather Services Corporation. Here I am, a 20, 21 year old kid in college, and I am on like the biggest radio station in Boston at the time, WEEI in Boston. Here I am because the other meteorologists on staff could not get in because of Governor Dukakis declaring that martial law. So I'm there and I am doing these broadcasts on the biggest radio station in perhaps the biggest storm of our lifetime. So that was how... I remember the blizzard of 78. I was stranded there for four days. We ran out of food on the second day, and all we had was black coffee to drink the whole rest of the time. So that was that was uh, sort of my story. The chief meteorologist named Bob Rice was there during the storm, and when he said, Brad, what are you doing in May when you graduate? And I said, well, I have to send out my resumes and so forth. He said, what I saw you do the work for the blizzard of 78 there, he said, you are working for me. So at the time, I was a disappointed college kid because school was canceled for the whole week. And the kids were up there in the dormitories partying and having a great time <laughs> and all this. And here I am stranded there. But it actually turned out to be one of the, the best things that ever happened to me in my life. That's a great story. Mine wasn't as exciting. I happened to be working at local radio, the local radio station in my hometown, and we were on the air at that point 24-7 because of the storm, and we were taking phone calls from people. So my story is very mundane, but uh, you, you mentioned before Brad Davis, the late Brad Davis, and we were all together at WDRC at one point, but this was when he was on WDRC alone, and he had a Jeep, a four-wheel drive vehicle, which, of course, they're very common today, but were not as common then. And what he did was with his four-wheel drive vehicle, and he proudly would tell this story, 
He was picking up nurses who were needed, driving them to Hartford Hospital, driving them to St. Francis Hospital, nurses who otherwise would not have been able to get to work. And there was Brad running his own free of charge taxi service with his renowned four-wheel drive Jeep. And uh, he, he was doing this actually in coordination with the governor's office. A very fascinating story, and he always would, would proudly talk about that story. So that was his memory of the blizzard of 78. Well, uh, you know, uh, I wouldn't expect less from Brad. Uh, what, a, what a fine man he was, and uh, that's a great story. What, what I also want to point out, though, is uh, CPTV. Uh, which on my cable, Dan, happens to be Channel 5. I don't, I don't know what it is on everybody's cable, but the PBS, the Hartford PBS station, is broadcasting, and, I, and I'm assuming they will continue to broadcast right up through Monday, the anniversary of the blizzard of 78. They are, um, they are, uh, they've got a great documentary on about the blizzard of 78. It runs about an hour long. Uh, Bruce DePriest, formerly of Channel 3, contributed to it. I contributed to it. But the person who's on most, um, many of the old-timers in Connecticut will remember him. Dr. Mel Goldstein kind of narrates the, 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 the thing. And there are these great stories about uh, women who are trying to deliver their babies and, and getting them to the hospital, much in the way you were talking about uh, Brad's story, and there there were stories of people on snowmobiles going to the drugstore to get drugs for people that need it, and then driving the drugs to their houses on snowmobiles and stuff like that. So it, it was a really nice storm in terms of neighbors helping neighbors and everybody coming together to cooperate and help each other out. So those are just some of the memories of the, the, the biggest storm, certainly, of my life. Well, that leads us to the big question in regard to 2023. And again, we're putting this podcast together on February the 3rd. Are we going to get a snowstorm this season? Well, I'm going to stick to my guns and say yes, Dan. Uh, I mean, when we, when I give you the forecast for the upcoming week, um, in other words, once we get by this severe Arctic blast of Friday and Saturday, it starts to moderate on Sunday and Monday. And then Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday of next week, snow lovers of Connecticut are going to launch into depression. I mean, there is no question about it as uh, as temperatures are going to move up way up into the 40s again and, and just that kind of thing. And, and the clock is ticking on winter. The days are getting longer. The sun's angle in the sky getting steeper. Uh, but I did do what I my due diligence this morning, and I looked at the GFS computer model that runs out through 384 hours, which is 16 days. And then I looked at the Canadian model, which runs double that, it runs out 32 days. But the GFS, and again, this is just one computer model run, but it does have a snowstorm for us next weekend. Um the GFS on Friday morning, so in other words, a week from today, uh, Friday morning, February 10th, has low pressure in southern Illinois 
And then they've got a cold, high-pressure system over Quebec. So you need something to produce the moisture, the storm coming from Illinois, and you need something to produce the cold air, reinforce the cold air. And that's that high up in Quebec. By Friday evening, um, February 10th, the low should be near Pittsburgh. And Saturday morning, a significant storm right around Nantucket. So when you add all that up, the GFS comes up with, and this is just the overnight model run, a good three to six inches on the Connecticut coast and six to 12 inches for the Connecticut interior. So again, that would be Friday, Friday evening, Saturday morning of next week. Um, and then uh, the, the GFS also, the following, right after we get through with that storm on Friday and into Saturday morning, the 10th and 11th, comes at us with another storm on Monday the 13th. Um, and then that, that one would give like three to six inches to Connecticut, uh, if it behaves as the model is projecting. And then, um, Rhode Island and Southeastern Massachusetts would jackpot this one with six to 12 inches of snow. And then the GFS is predicting another Arctic outbreak, uh, two weeks from today. Uh, in other words, the 17th and 18th and, and going onward from there. So that's the uh, GFS model. The Canadian model has a couple of close calls. They think that storm next weekend is going to come closer than the um, GFS. So they've got the rain snow line nearby. So we'll have to fine tune the details on that one. And then they have a snowstorm uh, with the uh, onset of the Arctic air coming in around the 18th on the Canadian model. And the Canadian model continues to go with snow threats right through March 10th. So um, th there is still a little reason for hope for snow lovers in Connecticut. But Dan, as we, uh, as you like to say, put a bow on it and, 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 uh, and, and give the forecast. When I start putting the bow on it, uh, the, the snow lovers are going to be uh, swearing at, uh, <laughs> at whatever device they're listening to me on. <laughs> well, what, uh, what, what does it uh, look like as far as on the weather map? You're saying it's, it's pretty boring right now. What does it look like? Well, it is boring, Dan. There's nothing really going on. Um, the, the weather pattern, as I said, is zonal, which means that the, um, the winds are our air mass after this Arctic intrusion here um, tonight and Saturday, that it will be replaced by a zonal flow. So in other words, uh, air of Pacific origin. So we've got a, a, a few things at play, though, still. That stratospheric warming event over the, the Arctic region uh, seems to be displacing the colder air further south again as we get later into the month of February and into the beginning of the month of March. So that's one thing to look at. And also, Dan, we hit this last week, so I'll just say it again. The, um, the La Nina pattern that's given us this eh, not much winter so far is weakening into a and so neutral pattern and we talked about that last week how um when you when x happens y happens and we've we we discovered that when we are in an and so neutral pattern that's when we have our snowiest weather here in connecticut so if you're a uh, if you're a snow fan 
uh, you can just see, keep saying, hurry up La Nina and get, get, get lost. So as, as La Nina weakens into Enso neutral, uh, the, the hopes rise. It's because of how it fouls up. I don't want to say fouls up, but how it, um, how the, the resulting jet stream occurs when there's an El Nino, a La Nina, and an Enso Neutral. And Enso Neutral is always the best for us. It delivers the cold air into the Great Lakes in eastern Canada, so the cold air is nearby, and it usually tracks storms up the coast. So we'll see what happens late February, early March. Can the patterns change that quickly? Yes. Okay. Yes. No, they, they, they can, Dan. Uh, it's... Um, you know, I'm, I've got to give kudos to the computer models because even though sometimes I get mad, uh, you know, they, they don't get the, the, the minutia right, there's pattern recognition. And if, if people are fair to me here and they think back not only last week, not only the week before, but even the week before, I remember darn well saying that this weekend, the first weekend in February, was going to be bitter, bitter cold, according to the models. And, and that happened. That played out. So, uh, as I say, every little detail, you know, for example, now, what's been happening this week um, with all of the, the tragedy, because these folks don't know how to drive in it, but with the with the no one really knows how to drive in ice. But they've been having those tremendous ice storms in the south. And um, now, why is that storm not here? Well, it's just a matter of luck. The the storm is going to go out to sea south of us. But that's just luck. That doesn't mean oh we we can't get snow here. Of course we can get snow here. It's just that the pattern has not been quote lucky for us. If you like snow, but once we once the the, the La Nina is weakening, they have readings of it every every week. I think they have different readings of what the the tropical the skin temperature is in the tropical Pacific and they are finding it's warming. So this would induce the ENSO pattern, the ENSO neutral pattern, which would induce a better threat for snowstorms here. So we will, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And on that note, and again, we're putting this together on Friday, February 3rd. What does our immediate forecast look like? All right, Dan, keep these numbers in mind because um, we will be threatening them. Uh, Today's record, and again, it's 118 years of weather record keeping, is nine below zero in 1961. I do not think we're going to get that because we only have up till midnight tonight to get there. And I think maybe by midnight at Bradley, it might be like five below or something like that. So I don't think we're going to get that record. The record for tomorrow, Saturday, February 4th, and again, it's 118 years of weather records, is eight below zero in 1965. That record is in play. All right. So for today, it's bright sun. You know, one thing about Arctic air, and um, we'll we'll discuss this more, uh, you'll see this more, is that the air is so dry that there's usually 
bright blue sky and hardly any cloud cover at all. Sometimes there's no cloud cover at all. So instead of prefacing it by mostly sunny or partly sunny or whatever, you're going to be hearing me just say sunny because that's usually a feature of Arctic air. So for today, it'll be sunny. Uh, very windy, northwesterlies 20 to 25, gusting to 40. The temperatures will continue to drop through the teens this afternoon and certainly into the single digits as we head uh, by by dark, even by dark. I think it'll be in the single digits. Uh, for tonight, near record cold across Connecticut. I'm looking for temperatures four below zero to 10 below zero on the thermometer. And again, the Bradley record is eight below, set in 1965. Now, four to 10 below zero is bad enough, but we are going to have winds gusting to 45 miles per hour tonight, Dan. So that's going to produce a wind chill of 30 to 35 below zero. Again, the wind chill warnings up for all of interior Connecticut for frostbite potential in less than 10 minutes. So uh, certainly this is dangerous. For Saturday, sunny, totally sunny, 99 to 100% sunny, uh, temperature bitterly cold, 16 to 22 degrees for the high. Sunday, mostly cloudy as the wind shifts into the southwest, temperatures moving up through the 30s, maybe up near 40. And here comes the depression for the snow lovers. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday of next week, Dan, Temperature readings in the 40s once again. But again, rem- with uh, variable clouds, let's call there'll be some storms uh, going by, but nothing really hitting us. So uh, sometimes it'll be cloudy, sometimes it'll be sunny, but no big storm. And Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday of next week, temperatures will be up into the 40s. But again, ending on a high note for the snow lovers, remember what the GFS is saying. A pretty significant snowstorm coming in next weekend. And remember what both models are saying, the GFS and the Canadian model and the European model, as we go out through um, next weekend and beyond. They've got it uh, cold and snowy through at least March 10th. Okay, so as the big league clubs go to spring training and our thoughts turn to springtime weather, We could uh, be a little bit disappointed, except for the winter fans who might have winter after all. That's what you're saying. That's what I'm saying. Yep, that's what I'm saying. And as uh, as the uh, the one of the uh, baseball coaches for for Granby, I've been talking with the head coach, and uh, Mike tells me we're going to start doing batting cages in the gymnasium and everything, uh, where we as coaches really can't talk to the boys, but we can observe. And then uh, first practices are going to be outside in, in uh, I think, as we head toward mid-March. So, you know, here again, by that time, even I, the great snow lover, I don't want snow then. <laughs> but, uh, you know, when I look at these maps, I think, well, geez, we might be forced to be in the gym with snow on the ground in the middle of March. So we'll we'll see about that. All right. Now that note, Brad, to you and Sandy and our entire podcast audience. Have a great weekend and stay warm and be safe. Yes, Dan, stay warm, be safe. You and Susan have a terrific weekend.
Thanks, Brad. The Brad Field Weather Podcast has been underwritten by McAllen Construction. McAllen Construction, from the first dig to the last nail.